0: the Two Man Power Triple Wrestling Podcast, in Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we sit down here to go back in time to the simpler days of the blue and yellow, the World Wrestling Federation, the new generation, with a great topic on tap for you today as we are going to tackle the Undertaker's Mask that had a short run in the fall of 1995. And as always, joined by my broadcast colleagues, This week, going solo with just one of them, as I welcome in to the program to the new generation declassified, a man who uh, I think he's sporting his new generation hairstyle this week. (laughs) He is the one and only Mr. CP. CP, how's everything going in your neck of the woods?
1: I'm doing great, man. I'm uh, very stoked to be here, especially in the uh, the wake of a little bit of it's a little bit later, but we're in the week of hashtag Thank You Taker still. So. Yeah, it's definitely awesome to be able to cover the Phenom for the first time on the show. And I think uh, we're going to learn today that you cannot destroy that which does not wish to perish, but you can break its face.
0: That's very true. You can. He might be somebody who's uh, an absolute dead man, but that didn't mean that they can't have orbital bone injuries that lead to a really freaky mask uh, popping up kind of out of left field.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's uh, crazy stuff.
0: So before we talk about it, what do you remember about this mask? I mean, you know, obviously, as a Mark, as a fan back in 95, we saw The Undertaker get taken out at an angle, and we'll talk about that. But you see this mask. This is something that, you know, wasn't really known if you weren't on the, uh, the dirt sheets back then, why he had it. But at first glimpse, you think like, oh, wow, that'll look great on like an action figure. But The Undertaker's mask, what's your first impression of it?
1: Yeah, it was a little weird. Uh, I I think I got used to it at one point, but in the beginning, I was like, I don't know if that's as scary as they're putting it over as on TV. Uh, It was, it definitely reminded me of, uh, I think that's, you know, other people have said it's like the Phantom of the Opera mask, but it was like that time of the 90s too, uh, you constantly saw, at least in the Northeast, like Broadway Phantom of the Opera commercials, (laughs) and it it had a similar look to that as well.
0: Yeah, it was definitely uh it, it was unique, that's for sure. I mean, it fit his face very well, which I know that's a WWF uh, staple to have a really cool uh you know uh wardrobe and uh creative design department. But yeah. you know, the the mask itself, like it just it, it it helped, I don't know, transition him again. And and that's what, yeah, you said hashtag thank you taker. We know he is officially retired as of right now. Um, and this period kind of gets overlooked, but this was like a really good transition period for him. Um, the fall of 95, uh, kind of, you know, for him, maybe a little <laughs> on the stagnant side. But to me, that first uh, impression of the mask is, yeah, like I said, Phantom of the Opera, uh, the, you know, the kind of grayish white look on the purple and black. It was just um, with the hair in the front. It just it, 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 it fit in, but you didn't know why. Yeah, him. you know what I mean. In contrast to Paul Bearer's white face, you didn't know why this fit him so well, but it and I, I think it worked. I think it was something that uh, kind of enhanced his look. It made him, it made him have another dimension.
1: No, and it was. It, it's just kind of. It's one of those rebirths. I mean, the Undertaker's had a million rebirths throughout his career, but always kind of, kind of within the same character. I mean, obviously he yeah, had the American Badass at one point, but mostly he was always within that Undertaker character. But, but very different variations you know from year to year and this was a just a clear break uh it, it was a totally different look uh, just another way to change his look from and yet yeah, prior uh before this happened that year it was not necessarily the most memorable year for him not, it wasn't a poor year i mean he was he's still a strong undertaker but he was mostly having kind of mid-card matches with like the corporation for a while if i remember correctly
0: yeah yeah he starts off the year uh 95 he's feuding uh, with the million dollar corporation, the residual feud with uh, them from the end of the summer into the fall, uh, where the, in the summer of 94 was the undertaker versus under faker. I hate that expression, but that's what it was. <laughs> so you realize that he wasn't exactly, you know, uh, feuding with the main event guys, but he did his King Kong Monday run. He did his Kama run and into the summer, king of the ring he he kind of you know eliminated uh not so uh, greatly by who would eventually be the king mabel and then he kind of just settles and what's going on with uh, the undertaker well it turns out in the match with king mabel over the summer he takes a clothesline to the face and crushes the orbital bone so now at the time 1995 let's go back to september what launches on one channel WCW Monday Nitro. Who's on that channel? Hulk Hogan, Sting, the Macho Man, Lex Luger, this stacked roster. Uh, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, the Four Horsemen is back. You know, you had the Dungeon of Doom. You had all these things going on. And you couldn't really af- afford to lose the Undertaker, especially to an injury. If it's in his face, how do we get around it? Well, back in the day, if somebody broke their nose, they put a face guard on him. So Vince McMahon and his creative genius that he is says, "Let's get the guy a mask." Yeah, and
1: what's actually great about that mask is that it is, uh, you know, one of the sports I know where people always end up wearing those with similar injuries is the NBA, and uh, it's it's very it's similar to an NBA face mask for somebody with an orbital bone issue or a broken nose. Like it's it has obviously the caricature enhancements of the Undertaker uh, and the gray mask and the, you know, the facial characteristics of it, but you could tell that it's kind of structured off of the same mask.
0: Exactly. Right. And that's, um, that's, I guess the, the cool part of it. I mean, it's going to protect the eye. I mean, obviously, you know, you have to really still be very careful and maybe that was a good thing about that time where he was kind of taking on those more plotting, you know, uh, huge monsters. They weren't necessarily, you know, taking him to the limits if they connect. I mean, they're going to hurt you, but, yeah, you might be able to protect the face a little more. And back then they're still doing jobber matches and they're still doing things where he can get away with, you know, with a 90 second squash, Um, a great workaround. And I guess, again, that's the genius of VKM. It's always something uh, when you can work around it and you can keep your, you know, I guess at that point, like your number three, top guy, three, four, I mean, you swap the top three in the top four or five, you can't lose him. And they didn't. And it kept them on TV, uh, albeit now with a, a new little uh <laughs> a new little piece of his wardrobe.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's he's he's just been a staple forever, but at that time, yeah, it's like if he's if it's I guess it's Brett and Diesel and Taker at that time, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, like I was just gonna ask you that. I mean, look, you got Brett, Diesel, Taker, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, mm-hmm. and under so there you go, that's five guys. Where could you slot them in as as a top five? I got to be honest with you. At that time, if if you go back, look, Undertaker may have been number five, (laughs) you know, because Brett was obviously beloved. Diesel was just a champ for a year. Everybody always loved Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels, you know, turned babyface and everybody wanted to cheer for him. At that point, Undertaker may be coming up the ranks five (laughs) just because he had been there for so long and, and you kind of knew the shtick. That's just me. I I think if you were to rank him at that point, number five, he might have been the the conscience of the WWF, but he might be the fifth guy on the, uh, the totem pole there in terms yeah, I, of the top five superstars. I
1: get your uh, I get the I get the logic behind what you said. I would probably slot him at three behind Bretton Diesel, but I know I totally under, I totally understand that Razor is Razor. I like he, I always loved Razor, and he would probably have had you know, a higher run there, uh, or he probably would have won world titles if it wasn't for, you know, personal issues. And then Sean, the company was completely behind at this point. And he was, you know, he was basically, this was all like in route to him taking over the worlds for his period of time. But I I don't know. I feel like personally, I would put Taker three behind Bretton Diesel. I'm just going to go with the champion and the former champion who had it.
0: But let me all right. So let me throw this other nugget at you. So you take Diesel who yes world champion for a year but if you look at it from a financial perspective Diesel not a very high grossing champion granted they weren't running you know huge venues they were still running auditoriums they were running amphitheaters they were running little convention centers so they're not in you know the Meadowlands every night they're not in the Nassau Coliseum you know the Rose Mahara they're still going to those buildings but not frequently Yeah I dare say you can maybe even drop Diesel down a little bit you know if you want to bring taker up i if you bring taker up my count you got to drop diesel and it's i know it's a hard thing to say i love big daddy cool but to me i don't know you got to uh undertaker if he's not number five on that list then he raises up one and diesel might drop one because i i i think there was a little disparity between uh the rankings of the top baby faces and top you know quote unquote good guy superstars yeah uh we
1: can have disputes about this one day. I believe um, at this at the uh, Survivor Series ninety five pay per view, which I don't want to get you know too into. Brad Diesel, obviously, but Diesel he knocked out four hundred referees after that match. He, he was a, <laughs> uh... no, I know what True. you're saying. From a kayfabe perspective, though, Diesel was pretty dominant. Uh, Undertaker's obviously dominant. Shawn Michaels gets thrown around all the time.
0: Right no, and, and I'm not hating on the undertaker at all. Um, I don't think the undertaker really came into uh, who he would become until like mid 96 when McFoley came in and the mankind feud started, um, you know, and, and it's kind of funny. Like when you look at the trajectory of this masked version of taker, you know, he starts off with King Mabel and he's kind of, like you said, kind of going through the mid card, but if you see how his calendar year, 1995 ends, it's a little bit of like a premonition of the future. Because he ends up his last match in 1995, he's taking on somebody who would sooner or later look exactly like his "quote unquote" brother Kane, <laughs> as he battles Isaac Yankum in his last Raw match of uh, 1995. So it's kind of funny, you know, how this was an interesting year for Taker, and he'd end up closing the year out with a guy who he'd be married to for you know the next basically 15, 20 years of his career and his life.
1: Yeah, and that was uh, that's one of the rare TV appearances or TV matches with the mask on, which is interesting.
0: Right, and that's another interesting thing, too, because they did do a lot of promos. They did do a lot of, you know, uh, event center style things. They did show you him in the mask but he didn't have a lot of those matches. Like I was saying that you could protect him and he didn't have a lot of them. And that's the, that's the interesting part. So when he gets kind of taken out the quote unquote crushing of his face on Monday night, raw Yokozuna Mabel, yeah. I believe that is, is that the raw in Evansville? If you uh, have it in front of you, I believe I, that's the raw taping in Evansville, Indiana. It's October 9th, 1995. I don't have this. Okay. Screen. So that is referred to as the bill Watts massacre. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And my, my good buddy, the franchise, has talked about this at great length on the Triple Threat podcast. The Bill Watts massacre was Bill Watts had come in because basically, you know, Vince McMahon uh, was pretty much uh, sure he was going to be uh, on his way out. He was going to be going to uh, the, the big house. So they needed to really arm the WWF with guys that were going to be wrestling guys running the company. So Bill Watts has brought in kind of an experiment. The Watts, obviously the UWF, these are the tough guys. These are the, you know, the the basic, you know, nuts and bolts of what a wrestling company would be. So he had the heels destroy the baby faces and it was Shawn Michaels. It was, um, the undertaker. And the other one is just it's slipping my, my head right now. Well, um, continue. Diesel, it was
1: diesel, Shawn Michaels and taker on the team that night. Yeah.
0: Okay, all right. So all right, it was Diesel. I just I couldn't remember off the top of my head. So yeah. they got laid out by the bad guys, which I believe it was Yoko, it was Yoko, it was Mabel. I think the Bulldog was in there. Um, because,
1: so it, it was. It's funny, yeah. It's Yoko, Bulldog, and Owen Hart. But right, other heels just are coming out of the locker room, and one of them is Mabel, who works in tandem with Yoko to destroy Taker. But Correct. while so, while Taker's getting destroyed, your buddy, yeah, Shane Dean is getting is beating up Shawn Michaels on the outside of the ring. He's
0: kicking the crap out of Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and that, and, it, right. and it's because, you know, and it's something whenever we have Shane come on the podcast, he will be able to talk about that in greater length. Like he was set for a program with Shawn Michaels and it was written in stone the way you see it, you know, progress on television. Um, and it is a good, you know, the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the sexy boy versus uh, the, the straight laced <laughs> Dean. Um, the bill Watts massacre was to make the baby faces look like, you know, they were getting killed by the heels. So Yoko and Mabel crush the undertaker's face, but that was the way to write undertaker off TV because of the orbital bone to get him the mask, which then we don't see him till the survivor series.
1: Yeah. And, uh, just before you go to survivor series, I guess guess this isn't relevant to the mask, but just also while you're talking about heel dominance in that match, uh, Bulldog gets a fairly clean pin over Diesel, which I thought was very interesting when I was watching it. Like he hit a power slam and Diesel kicked out, but then uh, Bulldog and Reverie were talking. And then I think it was Mabel that just came in and dropped, it, or no, it was Yoko that just came in and dropped a leg over him. And then Bulldog got a pin over him. So it was like in the six man tab, the world champion face took the heel, took the took kind of clean pin. Fairly clean.
0: Yeah. And that's the way you get around that kind of stuff is that builds up the guy who's going to be, you know, the number one contender, obviously the bulldog turning heel shockingly in the summer of 95, um and you know and really yeah that was uh maybe a missed opportunity not getting the belt on the bulldog at, at some point during that heel run yeah but um yeah that the the bill watts massacre you know one of my favorite uh stories that shane will share and when shane comes on with us he'll he'll be able to divulge a little bit more because yeah. when he lays out the whole psychology of it it is like it's fascinating <laughs> um but yes, yeah, so Undertaker gets written off this television show and comes back at the Survivor Series. Now, all they told you was that the Undertaker's face was crushed. They yes. didn't say, "Hey, he's coming back with a mask." They just said, "We don't he's coming back. We don't know what he's going to look like." And that was the beauty of that television model back then. We didn't see him. We, you know, we saw whenever they did. I, and I, again, I do all this stuff off memory, folks. CP came to the game completely uh, prepared with dates and times and whatever. I he knew was, was having up. breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I go, I like to go off the top of my head because it, it seems more, you know, vivid sometimes. But I believe they only showed either an older picture of him or like a shadow when they were promoting the Survivor Series teams going into that match.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that's accurate. Uh I didn't I didn't look up any promotional material as as you would assume I did, but I believe what you just said is accurate going off memory.
0: You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, what, uh, great, yeah, so what,
1: oh good. No, no, go ahead. No, what is great though is with the uh they really build up to you seeing Taker for the first time in the beginning of the match, like the uh the heel team all comes out. Um, but then the, uh, the dark side is the name of the Undertaker's team and they come out, but, um, Savio Vega, Fatu and Henry Godwin all come out together, um, under one of their music. I think it was Savio Vega's music.
0: I think it was Savio Um, Vega. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
1: And then Taker comes out. And then when Taker comes out to his music, there's like a kind of like a 10 second delay where he's not even out yet. Like it was very built up to like, what's he going to look like? when he comes right out and he's got the, you know, he's the last person coming out. He's got the stage.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of filling the role of our, uh, our producer behind the glass, Tim, I got the video going for us and, you know, you can see the, the very dark purple light, uh, taking over the arena, You know, and you can't see the clever shooting of this is unbelievable. From a television production point of view, it's a thing of beauty because the only thing you don't see is the guy's freaking face. You see his back, you see his hat, you see his arms, you see his, you know, you see Paul Barrett, you do not see... The Undertaker's face and the unveiling would kind of go in line with what we'd see over the, the future of when he would take his hat off and the fire, you know, the, the thunder would clap in the background. It kind of started here because this was the first exaggerated reveal of what was he looking like when he took the hat off. And and you see the first glimpse, he's got the, the mask on and we don't have the commentary up, but, you know, the, <laughs> the shock of what is, oh my God, that's what he looks like. Again, couldn't be done any more perfectly uh, you know, than they did it back then. Here you go. Well, he he takes the slow exaggerated hat off and then look at the the heels all take a step back.
1: Mabel is beautiful.
0: Terrifying.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Beautiful. At the heels in this entire match. So, utmost respect to the returning Undertaker. Uh, it's
0: pretty interesting. <laughs> Um, now here here's a little interesting thing about the undertaker's team the dark side right you look around at them and we're gonna go into baseball you got henry godwin who by the way is the freaking man love henry godwin uh Savia vega and rikishi who at the time was making a difference making spot a spot <laughs> i know a heavy influence of yours uh, from way <laughs> back in the day um uh, but these guys minus you know Kama, aka the godfather uh, minus Zuna. this is Undertaker's traveling crew, the BSK right here, the Bone Street Crew. Yeah. This is his boys. So if it, it, now looking back at it, it's freaking awesome. But these are his guys that he has on his team, and it's like this is his great comeback, and you know his brothers are, are there with him. It's it's so cool looking back.
1: It's definitely really cool, but it, but if you're looking at it at the time, you're like. Fatu making a difference is uh, is from the dark side. <laughs> but no, it is definitely the
0: cool. wrong side. He's on the wrong side <laughs> yeah. of the tracks.
1: Hey, I never would have made it through my rough childhood without Fatu.
0: But it's cool. Like they just they show the respect to him and they know how to, yeah. to, to bring it out. They probably talked about this in the car a million times because these guys, it was like the click. And we can talk about that on a future episode, the BSK versus the click. Um really wasn't that much of a of a feud, but just it was the two collections of talent that kinda hung together. And then on the heel side for the Survivor Series match, you got King Mabel, you got the King Jerry Lawler, you got Triple H, Hunter Hurst Helmsley, and again, another tie-in to the future <laughs> of the Undertaker. You got Big Glenn, Isaac Yankum hanging out there on the apron.
1: Yeah. No, uh it's uh it's an interesting heel team again. I like the heel team is called the Royals here, and it's you have two kings and Hunter kind of makes sense in there for, with that current blue game. blood. Yeah, but I'm not really sure how Isaac gets fixed. <laughs> no.
0: He was he was excuse me, he was Jerry Lawler's royal dentist. Yeah, that's the only reason.
1: <laughs> no, royalty.
0: Uh, the heel team is great though, uh, and this um
1: in this match the the you know it's it, everybody kind of engages for a little while, but the Undertaker doesn't come in for probably five to ten minutes. I don't know. And he's he's the last person that gets in on the face team, I believe, when everybody else has probably been under the ring already. But, right. um, yeah, he when he first enters the ring, he gets tagged in by Savio against Jerry Lawler. And Jerry Lawler just does, like, the most perfect ever, uh, you know, like cowardly heel begging him to not do anything. And then he tries to get his teammates to tag in, and they all jump off the apron. None of them want to deal with the Undertaker either. It's so great.
0: It's it's awesome. And I believe the dark side stays intact, and nobody's eliminated. The sole survivors, if you will, were the entire team, which was always a rarity in these traditional Survivor Series matches.
1: Yeah. Last week, we talked about um, uh, Diesel, Diesel. taking out almost an entire team, although he got counted out in the ends, but that is what Taker does here. He takes out everybody uh, until he gets to Mabel, but then Mabel runs away from him and gets counted out.
0: Crazy. And this really was the end of of Mabel's uh, run. He would have this match at uh, the Survivor Series. He'd have the casket match with The Undertaker in uh, December 95, and then basically that was it for Mabel, which goes to tell you, you don't injure a top guy like The Undertaker. You don't injure a guy like Big Daddy Cool, which he did over the summer. Yeah. And this push for Mabel, which, yeah, it gave a new dimension to you know a big guy, made him a heel. He was a monster. You don't injure those top guys because it will end up costing you. And it did because Mabel was uh, persona non grata and then sayonara. <laughs> so.
1: But it's interesting he did come in. And I, and I know I've definitely seen Kevin Nash talk about Mabel injuring mad people um but he did come in here uh, I don't even know how if he was gone that long but he came in I mean he was part of the ministry of Darkness that's viscera at that time right I think taker kind of approved people that were part of that. Career. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I'm, yeah. I'm sure by that point there was definitely um, a change for sure. But yeah. at this point he had to go because I mean, it just, it, you can't do that, especially in this, this new fight they had against WCW. You can't be losing anybody to injury, especially a top guy. Yeah. And uh you know, that was really it for, um, uh, for Mabel and, and, and Mo on the outside is, is another guy that, you know, residual because of Mabel, because, you know, he had some issues with guys backstage that were, you know, because of who they were as a team. So, yeah, very interesting, the, the career of, uh, of King Mabel. But as we're watching it now, The Undertaker gets in the ring. And this is what CP was saying, the classic Jerry Lawler, rocking probably <laughs> the best mullet of the night, by the way. <laughs> and um, those
1: amazing shiny gold tights, too.
0: Yeah, unbelievable stuff. But The Undertaker just comes in and then cleans friggin' house and in <laughs> impressive fashion.
1: Yeah, no, it's just <laughs> Jerry Lawler is just like everything, uh, everything that I imagined from a from a clean heel back in the day. Like he's just he's just cowardly and afraid, and everything is over dramatic. He's just great at what he
0: does. So, do you think that Mabel is being basically the primary opponent for Taker with this uh, with this mask? Probably is why. The mask run of the undertaker is not really uh looked at so fondly because maybe he didn't have the greatest of opponents i know he did fight brett and we'll get to brett in, in a couple minutes yeah but do you think that mabel's the reason why people kind of look back at the mask gimmick as a kind of like a goofy phase
1: i think that's part of it i also think um you know what we were talking about earlier uh that people don't I think at this time people that were you know people did kind of think it was just a gimmick. I don't think everybody realized that The Undertaker really had an injured face. Like right. I, I don't think I knew that at the time. I wasn't a dirt sheet reader. Like I always just thought it was like oh this is like a goofy thing that they're doing with the, with The Undertaker with the mask.
0: But, so I think that's now, part of the reason. Yeah, The Undertaker did a subtle thing here in this match that I, I find to be very very interesting. So he pins uh, jerry lawler and uh and big glenn in a matter of minutes okay basically two minutes now you got uh hunter uh oh never mind he's he got stopped by henry godwin i thought that triple h was the one who was going to be leaving no he's yeah he's the s- guy
1: because he'd rather get beat up than slapped.
0: right so you see uh, he's going to get choke slam back into the ring and i believe this, this is probably the first time the undertaker beat somebody with a choke slam um which you did not see a lot back then kids on WWF television the choke slam was not a uh, a very uh, frequently used move but here's the thing the little thing that you got to notice what did not what did the undertaker not do on each pin let's see if you could tell me
1: hook a leg
0: <laughs> well, no 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 he he he, he what did <laughs> the undertaker would cross his chest uh, cross your hands across the, the chest and what would he do? Um, you you're losing yeah. here? Come on. You got me for a loss on this one. He flipped his hair back.
1: But he did flip his hair back, didn't he? No,
0: no. He did not flip his hair back because they waited for the exaggerated first time that he hits the tombstone so he could flip the hair back. And you see the full on image of the mask. So okay. it's just the little things that you notice that he didn't do when he pinned those guys. And now... You know, you'll see the exaggerated hair flip back, so you can see the full mask. So there you go. Hashtag the little things. Little things we know. So I'm and we're watching it, obviously. So we're going to be looking for it, but just take our word for it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I think Mabel had a lot to do with the 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 mask phase being a little bit of a uh, not so fondly remembered phase, but we get a classic brett versus undertaker royal rumble 96 main event which really i I think upped the taker profile huge so whereas i said maybe at the tail end of 95 he's sitting see what i mean the hair's pushed back now so you get the first image of the mask but he made it might have gone from that number four or five spot at the end of 95 in the summer to right there at the top after the brett match because that was really i think the first time we got to see undertaker have a great long world championship match as a babyface against a guy like brett Hart, who obviously could have a great match with the paper bag
1: yeah no absolutely and uh when you talk about that match uh it's 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 on the heels of brett's diesel match which we touched on a little in our uh diesel episode and we'll talk about more later but it's on the heels of that survivor series match and brett is just Brilliant at working the face versus face, uh, you know, smaller versus bigger guy match because he goes to kind of similar tactics in this match as far as kind of showing heel tendencies numerous times to get right. the, to get the Undertaker just more over with the crowd as the baby face in the match. Uh, he breaks out the you know, the cable, uh, the uh, camera cable to tie his legs. Up Classic his Brett forward. move, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then obviously the well there's a point where he's mocking the crowd kind of too where he he hits his elbow off the second rope on on the face mask and then he's kind of mocking the crowd and they boo a little which is interesting too and then i don't know if you i don't know if you want to break that out but obviously this is the key where he you know he pulls the mask off at one
0: point too right and that was it yeah that was all she wrote that the the mask comes off in this match brett pulls it off of course great psychology by brett the way that he would use it you know to take it off and basically you know use the injured face as something to work on
1: yeah he pulls off it he pulls off the turnbuckle to expose the steel in the corner first and Uh, that's it and again the psychology of brett it's perfect
0: and that's the end of the mask so basically from november 1995 to january 1996 you know you would think it was 10 years the way it it played itself out but three months
1: yeah it's like two two or three raw matches and three pay-per-views
0: and we just did 30 minutes talking about it so i mean like (laughs) you tell me you know the impact of things that went on in this this time frame of this new generation you know it's it's something that is it had a lasting impression and this match 96 january opens the door for you know some of the great matches that brett would have with with big guys you know he always had great matches with big guys think Mm. about what he did with sid always great matches matches with vader just always had great matches with big men diesel another great example know those 95 94 always had great matches with diesel in the next month in february 96 that's where Uh, Diesel and and Brett had like their last showdown. Now, one one thing we're, we're forgetting to mention here as the match was starting big daddy. Cool. Who was very pissed off that he did not win the, uh, the, the Royal rumble maintains his position around ringside and confronts the undertaker because they had a backstage uh, verbal confrontation after the night, the December 95 season's beatings event. So now we're getting the, uh, the little sprinkling of what's going to happen at WrestleMania based off of the uh, the entryway showdown here.
1: Yeah, and you have this big, Brett's in this position where he doesn't, you know, he gets the uh, Diesel. He, Undertaker kind of had Brett beat, and he gets the uh, DQ win because of Diesel after this, and then kind of the reverse happens the following. month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we remember that was the first uh, showing of a middle finger <laughs> on WWF TV, and Vince, Vince oh. sold that thing like, a billion dollars like oh that's disgusting how can he do that no it's great it's great uh also on our
1: screen right now you're seeing the urn
0: yes uh, the The kettle
1: yes 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 the undertaker did not recover the air he he didn't have it for many months though until the december of 95 pay-per-view where sir mo uh had the melted down chain version of the urn that originally came from Kama back in the summer. Right. Uh, but yeah, but he threw uh he threw Mo in the casket in the Mo Mabel match and took the chain
0: off of Mo before he closed the casket. We gotta ask Mo if they had more than one of those. <laughs> we, got, we got to find out did you get to sneak a uh an undertaker chain into the uh to the personal memorabilia stash uh because i imagine that if you had one they probably broke one at some point on a house show or, <laughs> or in somebody's bag or something like that the uh the gold chain urn albeit a freaking awesome idea uh probably had to have a couple of backups in the uh the the old wardrobe case
1: <laughs> i would just love the to know the craftsman that was able to I could see melting it down into a chain almost, but I can't imagine getting the chain back into the shape of the urn. That seems like a much more difficult task.
0: Uh, Well, as we saw when the Undertaker would construct a casket, you know, he was uh, very good with wielding a, uh, you know, a a hot poker. So maybe he's got some like uh, welding work that he could uh, break out, uh, you know, in parts unknown or in Death (laughs) Valley, you know, he's got a welding station. Oh, oh oh <laughs> great great dialogue great uh, <laughs> great move by the undertaker but you know in that confrontation with big daddy cool another thing that we got to hear was we really didn't get to hear him talk too often back then yeah. and in that backstage confrontation you know basically diesel comes in and says why are you the number one contender at the royal rumble i should be and uh paul Barra drops the great uh big daddy cool looks like he's losing his cool <laughs> and that just made uh diesel get just completely uh incensed grabs Paul Barra and the Undertaker grabs Diesel's hand and, and Diesel uses, I, I I know this off the top of my head. He goes, is that the way it's going to be? And the Undertaker drops the awesome, if it's gotta be, it's gotta be. <laughs> my, that's a mic drop moment right there.
1: It is. A, it's an amazing line. It, it is like uh, the Undertaker's trying to talk more now than he has before in that one moment, but he's still in the Undertaker gimmick kind of, and it's, it's a great little book.
0: It's unbelievable, but yeah, you said it, Brett took the mask off and, uh, you know, and that was it. And then the undertaker would go on to feud with big daddy. Cool. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that as we talk about, you know, WrestleMania 12 and, uh, what they got to do, cause they got to do some really cool stuff, uh, in the buildup for that. And, uh, you know, that was it for the undertaker under the mask crushed by the bill Watts massacre, triumphant return at the survivor series one pay-per-view and then the royal rumble and then it's gone
1: yeah the triumphant return alongside uh, Batu making a difference it was a
0: great night you can dare say that the most memorable thing about the undertaker's mask is diesel giving the finger to the uh (laughs) to the (laughs) ring you know (laughs) that could have been the most memorable part of that uh three months that the undertaker had a mask yeah, no,
1: I mean, th- this was like, it's still, not, we're not out of the new generation by a long shot yet, but it's, you could see the uh, the tone changing a little. I mean, it's, you know, the prior Survivor Series, you had uh, Bret Hart go through a table, which was kind of unprecedented at WWE at the time. And now you have Nash again, Diesel involved with this finger incident, which is,
0: you know, wasn't something that you would see at the time at all. So what do you give it overall? Scale of one to 10. Small sample, you know, the uh the 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 going back to the late summer, you know, let's just say from the clothesline of, of Mabel through Bret Hart ripping it off. What what do you give the mask run of The Undertaker from a from a one to ten perspective?
1: It's interesting because I didn't I didn't love the appearance of the mask when I was younger, but I nostalgically like it more now. Um I'm gonna for the because of the transition period it caused for the Undertaker and, and the and the fact that he got sort of in that run to have that awesome title match with Brett, which was sort of the end of it. But I'm I'm gonna rate it
0: pretty highly. I'm gonna go seven point six. Seven point six, interesting. That is uh that's something else. I'm gonna give it a five. Okay. Only because small sample. Um, not the best opponent, you know, no offense to Nelson Frazier, aka Mabel, much love, rest in peace. Um, I'm going to just give it a five because it didn't have legs. It didn't last a long time. And that's really unfortunate. Um, love the match with Brett. Love that survivor series. Think that's great. Love the bill Watts massacre. Otherwise it was just kind of right there. It just didn't have enough legs. Maybe do that move at WrestleMania where you rip the mask off. Maybe it's a little more dramatic, has it had it got a few extra months. Yeah, no, I mean that makes sense.
1: But I I did love the uh the ripping the mask off the whole that whole sequence was great though in that match. But yeah, certainly would have been stronger if it was at WrestleMania. I don't deny
0: that. You know, how would you like to have seen the guy we just saw on our screen, uh the Mastodon, the man they call Vader, be the one who rips off that mask of the Undertaker, you know? How about that?
1: it would have been more enjoyable if he was just called the Mastodon
0: with no was almost called the Mastodon. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and funny enough, you know, a great story with him, you know, and we'll get into the wrap up here. It's not Undertaker related, but you know, he comes out at the Royal rumble and then gets into this heated storyline with Gorilla Monsoon where, you know, every time I see it, I pop when Gorilla Monsoon chops Vader and like dials it back to like, you know, 1975, but <laughs> vader was injured and that's why vader had to get written off tv so it's just it's a it's a comedy of errors for the top guys getting injured at that point but vader needed surgery and that's why he had to come off television so uh you know it would have been awesome to see an early uh version of vader taking on the undertaker with the mask seeing vader be the one who who you know mask versus mask crushing that you know the the face with those vader blows uh would have been pretty cool that's my yeah. fantasy booking. <laughs>
1: no, no, that's, I mean, I
0: that's perfect. And when you think about
1: who, like, what, um, those guys are kind of linked through Mick Foley, if you think about it. In a certain yeah, way. yeah, absolutely. Mick Foley was, you could, I, I mean, whatever, you can bring out Shawn Michaels and Brett, but I would argue that Mick Foley was kind of Undertaker's ultimate opponent as peak in WWF. Uh, but you have other options. But I mean, Mick Foley and Vader's matches were incredible in early '90s WCW. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: I uh, I would say Mick Foley definitely changed the perception of the Undertaker. But I'm gonna go. I have to go with Kane as the ultimate, uh, you know, opponent for uh, for the Undertaker. Only because we saw it in like three or four different versions of both guys. Uh, yeah you know, characters, but, you know, each time it was different. Whereas in 98, they were a little bit more bulky and it was a little slower. Uh, I mean, I remember seeing them at at Madison Square Garden in a main event in 2010, where, you know, it was very fast paced, very high octane. Granted, it was, you know, the main event of a long show. And Kane, I believe, beats Undertaker basically with like a, a power slam, choke slam combination and beats undertaker with and that's the end <laughs> that's all she wrote it was uh if you're if you're in the Kane camp it was a very uh happy day so uh, we'll we'll take those where we can but uh hey that's another great debate for another future episode you know who's the yeah. the, the the penultimate for uh a guy like the undertaker's got so many choices but it's probably the undertaker actually D- that's a damn good point possibly <laughs> is you know uh is it or or like i said under faker aka the worst <laughs> nickname i hated when people said that
1: <laughs> i just uh we'll get to that one day i can't wait to watch to rewatch
0: some leslie nielsen I'm sc- just, i was just gonna say i'm going right for the leslie nielsen uh <laughs> you know Uh, sketches and and the stuff. Those were classic, but uh, all right, well, let's get into the wrap up here. Of course, you're listening to new generation declassified on the two man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you want to find out everything going on in the world of the TMPT empire, head on over to TMPT empire.com. There's the links for all the podcasts we've got under our umbrella, including the TMPT flagship show, the triple threat podcast with the franchise, Shane Douglas, and so many more that we've got uh, under this unique little universe of TMPT that's out there in the podcasting genre. Uh, and if you want to follow me, it's at Chad Emb on Twitter. It's at Chad Emb on Instagram. And uh, if you don't catch me on any of those, I mean, I don't know where you've been hiding because I'm back. I'm in the fold here on the TNPT Empire, and I'm waiting to hear from from some people. So get in touch. But CP, uh, talk about your podcast and what uh, what you got going on.
1: Yeah, so I have a uh, boxing podcast where we cover uh, historical fights, uh, just sort of like one fight per episode. It's called the Stick and Move Stories podcast. Uh, you can just Google that, uh, Stick and Move Stories, You'll find yeah, and you'll find it on Spotify and on Anchor right now. Also, uh, Facebook.com slash Stick and Move Stories. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at at Pugs with three Zs, P-U-G-Z-Z-Z. Um, and as far as stick and move goes, we are looking for i uh, I'm going to be starting a second season. There's 12 episodes out right now, but we'll be starting a second season uh, fairly soon towards the end of July. Um, and then I'm just enjoying uh, working with the Chadster and the uh, TMPT empire on the new generation declassified right now as well.
0: Definitely. I don't know how much we've declassified, uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you from the feedback that I've heard uh, from a couple people, it's been, you know, not watching that era has been the key thing. So if you didn't really watch and you're kind of getting refamiliarized with that, you know, <laughs> those couple of years, people have really responded to that. And that's been the best uh, that I've heard so far is that, you know, either saying, oh, I never heard that before. I never knew that story or this made me go watch Whatever. That to me is a, that's a swish. That's a, that's a win-win. And I uh, appreciate everybody who's uh, taken to it and a lot more to come, a lot cooler stuff coming down the pike, possibly a a special guest or two. Uh, Maybe the Dean is going to be popping in here in a couple of weeks. Uh, Talk about a little bit of that powder blue uh, type. Uh, that was going around the WWF locker room, the body Donna's, the Dean all rocking those, uh, those baby blue uh, singlets. So (laughs) that's something that we can definitely uh, discuss, but a lot more to come and uh, appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. And uh, if you didn't catch us now, you can always catch us on the flip side. See you later. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.